Fran, I'm waiting on a train in Nina this morning. The waiting room is closed and no access to toilets. It's absolutely disgraceful on such a cold morning. We heard a similar story about Thurless uh, the other day as well, where the uh, waiting room there has been closed for years, seemingly. And... uh, yeah, um, uh, Mick uh, saying I live in uh, Tip I work in Cork I drive the first train from Dublin Thurles Nimick Junction gets into Cork at 9.20 it's a little bit late for work says Mick with uh, tongue in cheek and he says uh, come on like 9.20am in this day and age students can't get accommodation in Cork yet no transport that's nearly dinner time for an awful lot of people why can't somebody ask Eamon Ryan about this latest new Irish Rail timetable last week didn't change they said uh, hope to get earlier to Cork in the future but at the moment no drivers good God um, CIE have a survey on board Fran uh, Templemore station is not even listed on the form uh, Joe was on to us to say that Clock Jordan and Nina have the JJ Cavanagh Sons bus daily to Limerick in Dublin and it's a great service says Joe and uh, somebody else then wondering about the Romanian couple on the street saying did I hear right they wanted to smoke inside yeah seemingly that's the case somebody else saying have they a TV living rough? Obviously uh, not, but that doesn't seem to concern them. Uh, anyway, let's talk um, farming. And I'm delighted to be joined by Katrina Morrissey, editor of the Irish Farmers Journal. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good morning, Fran. And thanks for coming on with me this morning. These new water quality rules, it, it looks like they'll put the land market into overdrive. Can you explain that to me, Katrina? I can, of course, and obviously farmers are always interested and affected by prices of land, whether it's to rent or to buy. Mm. Um, So what's happening is there's a change in the organic nitrogen limit for farms in derogation. And this is a particular group of farmers, about 7,000 of them in the country. And the nitrogen limit that they will be allowed is falling from 250 to 220 kilos per hectare. That's a technical figure, but to put that in layman's language, they will either have to increase the amount of land for the number of cows that they have, or they will have to drop the number of cows they have on the land that they hold. So they're the two options. If they rent land, that's obviously going to cost money. And based on on an average herd, the IFA, who conducted this impact analysis, it was their policy analyst, Ty Buckley, um, who worked on this, he said that Based on an average, it will cost farmers €18,300 to comply with the new um, nitrogen limit. If they decide, if the farmers as individuals decide, I want to keep the number of cows that I have, you know, this is what Mm. I require for my income, this is what my business is based on, and they go out then into the land market, they are going to obviously increase demand. And when you increase demand, you usually increase price as well. So that would apply um, to both the rental market and probably anybody who is in a position to buy land as well. They're going to say it is worth it from my farm business point of view to spend money to get this land. Right. But the but the alternative is to cut down on the herd. Yes. Yes. So that's the alternative. If they can't source land, um, if it's too expensive, they would have to drop down in cow numbers or their herd, the number of animals that's on the land that they hold. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in 2023, isn't it? Um, we've been speaking over the last few weeks as well, Katrina, about the oversubscription to the Acres scheme um, and a considerable oversubscription. How, how is the Minister reacting to that? Um, I'd say the Minister has um, a problem on his hands, a good problem if, it's to, if, it's, if he could call it that, I suppose. He has created 
an environmental scheme that farmers really want to get into. Mm. Um, and they have wanted, I suppose, the application numbers are bigger than even we would have thought in the Farmers Journal. We thought maybe 40,000 would be a good application um, rate for it. In fact, 46,000 farmers applied before last week's deadline. Now, the problem with that is that is a hell of a lot more farmers than the 30,000 places that have been budgeted for for this year. Next year, sorry, so the scheme, they will be going in in 2023. So the Minister has a problem in his hands. What's he going to do with the 16,000 farmers who have applied over and above what over and above what he has budgeted for? If he finds the money for those, is he going to be looking for to Pascal Donoghue for extra money? Or will he raid the war chest for the 2024 scheme? If he does that, are there farmers who had been planning to get into the scheme in 2024 who will be disappointed? So he's not saying much, needless to say. (laughs) He would only say that he is working on trying to get everybody in um, and he is looking at the challenges of the financial challenge and also the logistics because these farmers will require support from agri-advisors and it takes obviously Department of Agriculture personnel as well to manage all of these schemes. Right, but there would be war if he said no to... I think the optics would be terrible for yeah. the government. You know, yeah. where the, the, all the narrative... Because they came up is, with this, yeah. They did, mm. and, and all the narrative is farmers must do more for the environment. Mm. And here we have 46,000 farmers who put their hand up and said, yes, I will do things like a riparian zone along the river. I will do multi-species grassland. I will reduce my slurry um, and the way that I put out my slurry. I'll cut back a fertilizer and and I will plant trees. These are all of the things that farmers are saying they will do. If the government turns around and says, now, no, actually, we don't want you to do that, I think the optics would be terrible. I think so too. Um, Speaking of acres, part of the environmental scheme, that notion about the hedgerows, what's happening there where that's concerned, Katrina? Yeah, so Siobhan Walsh, who writes for us, was was really concerned this week, she said, because she had seen a couple of, um, you know, these, these Twitter storms, as we call them, where someone puts up a photo of a hedge that has been cut for whatever reason. Now, this is the legal season for cutting hedges, so there's no problem doing it at the minute. This particular one was cut very much uh, down to the ground. And suddenly there was this huge pylon. You know, farmers Mm. are killing the ditches and um, this is destruction and environmental vandalism and it goes on and on and on. And Siobhan makes the point, actually, that's not what people think it is at all. This is coppicing. In some cases, to manage a hedge, what you do is you cut it to the absolute scut. And then it grows back more vigorously, more you know, stronger for the coming years, and it's managed from there on. Um, but yet people who don't know that um, can jump, you right, know, and course, say yeah. this is environmental vandalism. So, um, But this is what's required of farmers, in fact, isn't it? Absolutely. And yeah. there is, this is a measure under acres. Yes. It's going to be a measure. It's coppicing. This is the thing that farmers are being encouraged to do. They're absolutely following right. best And this practice. will have to be done every year, is that is that it? Generally, the coppicing will be done. It, it's very harsh, I suppose, the first year. After that, it's only trimmed. Right, so okay. you get the growth. And not unlike, you know, your garden plants where you cut maybe a rose bush right back right. to then encourage further growth. Um, so it's something that people are going to see. And the feeling is that it could lead to farmer bashing where it's absolutely not warranted at all. Right, because this is a green initiative. Absolutely. Green right. Initiative is good management of hedgerows. 
Right. It, 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 but is it not typical of social media for uninformed commentary it, it, to, be, to be all over it, the place? It is. And I suppose the challenge, Fran, is, you know, do you continue letting the uninformed go around bashing everybody? Or do you stand up and say, look, that's, you're just completely incorrect there. Right. Well, this that, is that's good what, practice. That's what you're doing in the journal today, which which is a good thing as well. Um, if you, yeah, this is a question again. We would have come across a lot of times, Katrina. If Europe cuts back on animal production and livestock production and all of that, will it just simply migrate to other countries? This is this is a great concern, isn't it? Huge concern, particularly for Ireland, I suppose. Who is you know we produce sustainable beef from grass, um, and. The, the argument has always been from Ireland and from other grass-based European countries as well, that if Europe or individual member states within Europe say, no, you know, we don't want this much beef produced in our country, we will cut down on what we're producing, that will not have any effect on what beef is consumed. Mm. And, you know, the, the point has always been made that if we cut down in these more sustainable grass-based countries, the beef will still be produced. It'll be just produced in somewhere like South America where there are rainforests cut mm. down to do it. And the quality and actually, won't be what it should be either, I guess. No, we have fantastic standards in, mm. in Ireland and Europe on traceability, on animal welfare, on food production. You know, we're, we're really top tier um, production. And this new study, which Noel Barden, who was out in Brussels for the Farmers' Journal last week, um, found out about is an analysis by the European Commission. And it basically confirms what Irish farmers fear, that if Ireland and Europe cuts back on animal production, both the livestock production and the associated greenhouse gases will simply move to other countries. So it won't reduce, it will not reduce the amount of either cattle or beef or the associated greenhouse gas emissions. It will simply go to another country. And that is what the term that you'll hear is carbon leakage. Right. So it won't do anything for the overall picture, but I guess what the government would look at is what it does for our figures here. Absolutely. And this is the thing about territorial targets, yeah. I suppose, for greenhouse it, gas emissions. But it's emissions. not looking at the big picture. Yeah, it's one planet. We're doing our bit as a member state, but how much is it having an effect overall? Now, I suppose, Lana, I should point out that if um, the, the same European Commission study found that if um, if livestock production was cut down in Europe then there would be an improvement in things like nitrogen losses to mm, water mm, in the intensive yes. farming places and ammonia emissions. So, you know, that has to be balanced there as well. All right, Katrina, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much and uh, good morning to you. That's uh, Katrina uh, Morrissey there, who's editor of the Farmer's Journal and the journal is on your shelves right now. News and information's coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.